Turn your Bible, please, to Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. I want to use an object lesson as we think together today about the theme, when the candle of life burns low. When the candle of life burns low. Those who are listening by radio will not see this, but I'm lighting four candles here at the pulpit. This candle stands for Monday. This candle stands for Tuesday. This candle stands for Wednesday. And this candle stands for Thursday. We have four days left in this year after today. Our life is like that. Someday we will have only four days left. I think of the Sunday before my dad died. We were gathered in the hospital on April 19th. I did not realize that it would only be four days and he would be in eternity. I think of an experience that happened in my life four days before John F. Kennedy was shot. Those things come back to you. We have four days left in this year, and if we could think of a parable that possibly we only have four days left in our life, or there's coming a day when we will only have four days, or we could think of these as four years, or four decades for some of you who are very young. But life as the duration is so very brief, just a heartbeat less and then a funeral. Just a breath less and then a grave digged. We do not have forever in this house in which we live. We're not permanent tenants here. Just a little while and then we'll be gone. And we will have to accomplish what we are going to accomplish now. That's the reason the Bible again and again says now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. We are not promised tomorrow. Our yesterdays are gone. All we have is today. In Isaiah chapter 38, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which is gone down in the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees by which degrees it was gone down. Now that chapter is filled with tremendous important truths to our hearts. Not least among those truths is the miracle of the sundial. God said, Hezekiah, 
I'm going to add some days to your life and I want to give you a sign about it. I want to give you a sign that it's the Lord God who is doing it. It's not some herbs that you've eaten or some special medicine that you've taken. But it is God. Because God puts up one, puts down another. Our days are in his hand. And so God said, Hezekiah, I want you to know that the days I will add to you, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to turn the sundial backward. That has never happened before. The word of God said it happened. I believe it. Now in the context, Hezekiah was sick. Very, very sick. The scripture says his sickness was unto death. And God said, Isaiah, you go tell Hezekiah, the king, and Hezekiah was a good king. Israel and Judah had had enough bad kings, but Hezekiah was a good king. But he became sick. And God said, now, Isaiah, you go warn him. He's not going to get well. He's going to die. So Isaiah brought that difficult news. It was hard to go tell the king, God says you're going to die. None of us likes to do that. Doctors don't like to go tell their patients you're going to die. Sometimes they have to tell us that. Sometimes when the man of God stands to preach, he has to say to the congregation, you're going to die. There may be someone in this room who will die before the day's over. Hezekiah, you're going to die. And you're not going to live. Set your house in order. Get everything ready. Because you have a limited time. Maybe just four days. And the scripture text tells us that Hezekiah, a godly man, turned his face to the wall and began to review his life. And he reminded God with tears that he had tried to serve the Lord. There was great emotion in Hezekiah's heart and mind as he talked to God. And God heard him. And before Isaiah could get out of the palace, God said, Isaiah, I've changed my mind. You go back and say to the king, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. The Lord God spoke it, and it was so. Now, as we think together about that thought and the parable, I want you to think this morning about the scriptural reminders of time. In Genesis 47:49, the time, time drew near for Jacob to die. In Job 22:16, our lives are cut out of time. In Job 38:23, the treasures of the snow are reserved against the time of trouble. Isaiah 49:8, 2 Corinthians 6:2, there's an acceptable time. Psalm 89:47, remember how short my time is. Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is a time to every purpose. In Jeremiah 46.21, there's a time of judgment. In Hosea 10.12, there's a time to seek the Lord. In Matthew 16.3, there are signs of the time. In Romans 13.11, we're told there's time to awake. 1 Corinthians 7.29, the time is short. Ephesians 5.16, redeem the time, for the time is very, very brief. The candles here burning are just reminders 
that we have just four years left in 1992. And tomorrow, Monday, we have all of Monday left. That is, many people do. Some will die before Monday is over. But let's assume Monday is gone. And then there will be three days left. You have all of Tuesday. Maybe you already have planned what you're going to do on Tuesday. You may have Tuesday, you may not have it. But when 11.59 p.m. Tuesday comes, that day will be gone. Two days left. Wednesday and Thursday. Maybe you already planned what you're going to do on Wednesday. And you have all kinds of thoughts and plans. But at midnight on Wednesday night, Wednesday will be gone and you have just Thursday. The last day. And ladies and gentlemen, there's coming a time when you'll have the last day of your life. I don't know when that day is. It could be today. It could be this week sometime. It could be 50 years from now. But there's coming a time when every boy and girl, every man and woman in this room will have just a little bit of time left. The candle of your life will burn low. What will you do in light of that truth? Well, I'm going to suggest some things that Hezekiah did. Number one, he reviewed his life. He looked back over his past life. Look in verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Are we able to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I just have a short time left. Maybe that short time is 10 years. Maybe it's 20 years. Maybe it's one month. Maybe it's just a few hours. But Lord, I look back over my life and I want to thank you for giving me the, the excitement and the blessing of being your servant, of being a Christian, of being a follower of Jesus. And Lord, I just want to remind you, I don't have to remind you, but I just want to recite it before you of some people whose lives have been touched and people who's, who were hungry have been fed and people who were lonely who have been comforted, people who were lost who have been brought the message of salvation. I want to thank you for those things. Or would we need to look back and say, Lord, I messed my life all up. It was just a jumble. It was like a terrible jungle. I went from this thing to this thing to this thing trying to accommodate my desire for excitement and none of them worked. None of it meant anything. None of it really excited me. It was all empty. It was all vain. And Lord, I've come to the, just the last few moments of life, the last few hours of life, the last few days, the last few maybe months or years of my life, and I don't have anything. And I have to come to you and fall upon your mercy. Everybody in here has an hour, unless someone dies during this service. Brother Gordon was preaching one day at his church in Russellville, and a man died right in the service. 
That could happen here today. More than likely, many of us will make it through this hour. And during this hour, you can decide what you're going to tell the Lord when you come to the end. You're going to decide what you will recite before the Lord and bring before his attention all the things of your life. Many of us will have to remember some sins that we've committed. We need to be sure that those sins have been accounted for. Now remember that a saved person sins and pardoned at Calvary, past, present, and future. A lot of times Christians live under the awful agony of some sin in their life, and they just curl up in a knot and die, and they never go on because they live under the awful impress of Satan's attacks upon them, and they just live in depressed living when Jesus taught us we can live in victory over sin. We do not have to go on under the memory of that sin. There's an old song that says, does the memory of your sin bring sorrow? God remembers to forget. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath God removed your transgressions from you. And God's people need to remember that and rejoice in the fact that our sins are under the blood. At the same time, like the song says, we need to remember I'm a sinner so that we'll never get so proud and so filled with ourselves that we forget somebody else is having struggles just like we've had. And somebody else hasn't had the victory that you've had. And so you reach out to them and try to aid them and help them and bring them along and minister to them and love them instead of pushing them down. One of the great sins of Christians is our failure to remember that we're a sinner. And we meet other people along life's highway who have had wrecks, who are down in the ditch, who've gone off, off the trestles, who've had collisions along the way, and we lift our nose like the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, the Levite and the other fellows, and do not have time to go and minister to that person and try to bring him back and love him and encourage him and help him. When we report at the end of the day, can we say, Lord, I tried to lift somebody to you. I've tried to encourage those who have been discouraged. I've tried to help those who are defeated. Here's the record, Lord. Some in this room, if you come to the end of the journey today, candle of your life burning low, you get to the end. There'll be nothing out there because you've never let Jesus atone for your sins. You've never taken care of the sin problem. The biggest problem in every man's life, every woman's life, every kid's life, the biggest problem is the problem of sin. The middle letter is I. And until sin is met with and dealt with at Calvary, and we put our sins over on the one who died on the cross to cleanse us from all sin, 
until then, there's no hope. But when we do that, there's not only hope, there's joy and peace and cleansing and forgiveness. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he told God about his life. And there were tears. You can't get honest with God without there being some tears. They may not come down your cheeks, but they'll be inside. You can't come to grips with all the opportunities God has given and some of them passed by and you didn't go through them, didn't accept them without some tears. You can't remember the failures of your life without some tears. And you can't remember other people who are going through terrible chaos and confusion and hurts without some tears. And Hezekiah shed tears before God. Secondly, I want to suggest you, you remember. That's what Hezekiah did. He remembered. In Psalm 89, 47, remember how short my time is. Why hast thou made all men in vain? Remember how short my time is. The scriptural teaching about those who wait too late. You know, there's a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omitted all the rest of life has to be lived in the shallows. I think of the Egyptians who had in their midst the greatest man that ever walked in the Old Testament period, Moses. And Pharaoh said one day, get out of my sight. I don't want to see you anymore. And then when Israel finally left Egypt, Pharaoh's army pursued to the Red Sea. And when Israel crossed on dry land, the Pharaoh's army decided they'd go too. And they went into the midst of the sea and the sea came upon them and Pharaoh's army got drowned. The day of judgment had come. They had opportunity. Moses was there, God's meek man, God's representative, God's preacher, God's prophet, begging them, pleading with them to listen to God, but their hearts were hardened. Folks, there's some people who are listening by radio today, maybe in this very auditorium, whose hearts have been hardened. You've heard the preaching. You've heard the message. You've heard some relative pray for you. You've heard some, someone come to t knock on your door. You've heard somebody care about you. and You've had a hard heart. You said, no, no, no. When the candle of your life burns low at the very end of the way, you'll remember, but it'll be too late. It was too late for the Egyptians when they remembered. I think also of Israel when they sought to enter the promised land. In the book of Numbers chapter 14, they had looked forward for years to leaving the bondage land and going to the land of milk and honey. The Bible says it's an 11-day journey from Israel, from, from Egypt to the promised land to Kadesh Barnea by the way of the sea. They came to Kadesh Barnea and they had faith failure. Moses said, God told us that's our land. Let's go in and possess it. They appointed a committee 
Ten of them said, no, we can't do it. We're just grasshoppers in their sight. There are big giants there. There are walled cities. We can't do it. We can't do it. Ten of them, two of them came back and said, we're well able to do it because the battle belongs to God. That was their faith. But they listened to the majority report, and they didn't do it. Now listen, 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. 40 years. And all that generation except Caleb and Joshua died in the wilderness. They remembered. They had the opportunity, but they failed. They said no in the face of a faith challenge. I think of Saul trying to repent for his disobedience. You know, he, he disobeyed God. He disobeyed Samuel. <clears throat> Told Samuel not to see him anymore, not bug him. Samuel said, all right, I'll see your face no more. And at the end of his life, the battle was going against him. He tried to pray, and his prayers bounced against the wall up there. So he visited the witch of Ender, a familiar woman, a woman with familiar spirits, and somehow got a message back from Samuel, today you will be in eternity. Too late, Samuel. It's too late. Too late, Saul. Too late. Saul's an enigma in the Old Testament. I never can figure out whether he was saved or lost. But there came a time in his life when it was too late. God wouldn't even hear him. He tried to repent and he couldn't. Now listen, that's an awful doctrine. But there comes a day when you sin away your day of grace. When you say no, no, no to God again and again and again and you hear the tug of God at your heart and the knock of the gentle Holy Spirit upon your heart and you say no, not now, not now, not now. And God stands back and takes you seriously and you never hear it again. And then you get closer to that time and you say I need to get some things right. But somehow you can't get it right. You waited too late. I could go on and on. You get the message. Remember, as the candle of life burns low, remember that the day of opportunity will pass. The opportunity to teach a Sunday school class will be gone. The opportunity to be a bus pastor will be gone. The opportunity to serve the Lord as a member of the choir will be gone. God, your voice won't, you won't have your voice anymore. Use it while you have it. The opportunity to give to God of your substance. You see, God will bless those who bless his name. The opportunity to invest your life in some eternal wonderful purpose and plan. God is even now tugging at somebody's heart, tugging at your heart. He wants your time, your talents, your life on the altar of service, and you've held it back. Again and again, God has knocked and said, I want you, I need you, will you serve me? And you've held back. There'll come a day when it'll be too late, too late.
while you hear the touch of God in your life, say, here my Lord, send me, use me. I think of Isaiah, when he was in the temple the year Uzziah died, he saw the Lord lifted up, the temple was filled with the glory of God, and he heard a voice saying, who will I send, who will go for us? Now God didn't lasso Isaiah and lasso him and pull him down and say, here, you go for me. It wasn't like that at all. God said, who will go for us? And I said, Lord, said, Lord, can you hear, can you use me? Here am I, Lord, use me. Offer yourself to the Lord. See what God will do with you. Make yourself available to him and see what God will do with you. Thirdly, redeem the time. Make some resolves in your heart right now that you're going to get something accomplished. I want, to, I want to recommend that everyone resolve. First of all, if I've never been saved, I want to be saved today. I want Christ to be in my heart today. If I've never done it before, you may be visiting. You may, you may, you may not have ever intended to come and get saved today, but God is speaking to your heart. If he's speaking, resolving your heart, I'm going to settle it today. I'm going to give my heart to Christ. If you've been saved, settle it today. I'm going to follow Jesus in baptism. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to be obedient to him. If you're saved, why not determine today, next year in 1993, if the Lord gives me that year, I'm going to read the Bible through just three chapters a day, 15 minutes a day with God, you'll read the entire Bible through in 1993. In 1993, the Lord willing, I want to speak to somebody about Jesus every day, 365 times next year. If the Lord will let me, I will do what I can to win at least one person to Jesus every month, 12 people in 1992. One person. If the Lord let me, I want to give sunshine to others who are in clouds, who are cloudy. I want to be a lifter of burdens. I want to be a joy bringer. I want God to use me. Make some resolves in your heart. And then when you come to the end and the candle of your life has burned low, you'll be able to turn your face to the wall and say, Lord, Here's my life. It's an open book before you. I do not remember in this passage Hezekiah actually asking God for some years. He just wept before the Lord. It was almost as if he were saying, not my will, but thine be done. Can we say that today? Lord, not my will, but thine be done. If you want to take me today, it's all right. If you want to give me 10 more years, 15 more years, 20 more years, one more year, one more day, it's all right. Not my will, but thine be done. And when we come to the end of the way, the toils of the road will seem nothing because Jesus will have been the guide through it all. Let's bow together in prayer. With our hearts humbled before God,
What has God spoken to you about today? If you can settle it right where you sit, please do that. You may be able to talk to him right now from your heart, right where you're sitting, and settle what the Lord has spoken to you about. Do it. If he's spoken to you about being saved or giving your life on the altar for service or taking up a cross of self-denial and begin to walk with him in the little time we have left, would you say, Lord, I'll do that? Our Father, we pray that just now someone will turn from self and sin to Jesus. That somebody else would say, Lord, I want my life to count. I want to be used for God. If I don't have very much time, and at the best, 20, 30, 40 years, that isn't very much time. But Lord, I want to give it to you. I realize the candle of life is burning low. Have thy way in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Let's stand. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know thus saith the Lord. <clears throat> what page is that? 250. 250. Now listen to this. Trusting Jesus isn't a one-time experience. It's a forever experience. When you come to Jesus, you're trusting him to blot out your sins. You're trusting him to bar the door of hell. You're trusting him to help you walk with him. You're trusting him to open the door of heaven. Would you do that? Somebody here may say, well, I did that a long time ago, but I haven't been fulfilled and I haven't been walking with the king. You can start over again. You can start right, over, right today over again if you'll do it. Just say, Jesus, I want to start walking with you and living for you and serving you. Would you do that while we begin to sing to it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. While we sing this, if you're here and you're not saved, or you're not sure you're saved, would you come and say, I want to give my heart to Christ? If you've been saved but have not been baptized, would you come and say, by the grace of God, I want to do that for Jesus? If God has spoken to your heart and you're willing to surrender your life to his service, will you come? Or God may be leading you to move your letter to this church. You do what God tells you to do while we sing this great hymn.